Welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Welcome to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack. And today our guest is Jason Malabute. And I met Jason a little while ago through a mutual connection. And we've met in person, I've been to his wonderful meetups here in California as well. And he's focusing on multifamily and in real estate. And so, you know, when I met him, he's a great personality, great person to be with, loved his meetup. And I definitely wanted to bring him onto the podcast to share his journey, how he's been able to do what he's been doing, where his focus is. So Jason, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I am doing great. And uh, thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Jason. So Jason, Can you give us a little bit more insight into your background and how you got started with real estate? Yes. So I started off in 2015. I started off as a CPA and then uh, to me doing my client's taxes, I discovered real estate investing and I got bit by the real estate bug back in 2018. And in 2019, that's when I started actually buying properties in Indianapolis, Indiana. In 2020, I decided that I wanted to transition from single family to multi-family, so I had to learn about that business. So I started working with my mentor, Sterling White, which is somebody who has been a guess a new show before. And then in 2021, I started selling all my single family homes, quit my accounting job so that I could focus 100% on the multifamily side. And uh, as you mentioned before, I also have a meetup here in Los Angeles. So I want to dive in a little bit more too into your background because one, you had a very successful CPA job as well. And then two, you had bought single family outside of California in Indianapolis and then sold all of it off and then transitioned into multifamily. So one, I guess... How did you make that transition from going from a CPA into full-time real estate? And what were some of the challenges that you had to face when doing that? So uh, I had to be honest, I thought something I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. And uh, I knew that for for me to be great, I, what I'm doing with being a real estate investor, I need to focus 100% of my time. As you know, Eileen, we are both um, Asians, and uh, um, my mom was not happy with my <laughs> <laughs> uh, decision to actually quit my CPA job that I could focus 100% on the multifamily um, business. Um, 
she said that I, I was taking, you know, too much of a risk and all that. But I knew that she would understand eventually, which she has now. And this is something that I have to do for myself because this is um this is my life and this is something that I'm very passionate about. So when did you decide to start up your meetup? So I thought about starting my meetup back in January or February of this year. And uh I was thinking about this like starting from scratch, like, like I'm doing everything myself. And then I reached out to my mentor, Sterling, and then he said, you should, you should connect with um, Howell Chief since he's also in Los Angeles and that he runs a successful meetup himself. So I talked to Powell, he gave me a whole bunch of good tips, and he says, listen, you have two choices. You can either start everything yourself or you could you could have, you could start your own chapter of our organization, which is multi-family masters, and then um you will have access to our database and our resources and all that. And I started thinking to myself, um, why should I like start everything from scratch when I can leverage this? Um, this platform, you know, and and that's when I reached out to Dexter and and uh, we first started our meetup virtually um just so that we could build up an audience and then after two virtual meetups we've ha- uh, we started doing in person meetups. And and uh, we typically have anywhere between thirty to fifty people show up to our meetups. Yeah, and if you're in the California area, I would definitely check it out. They have a pretty good group out over there. <laughs> uh, I heard that um, uh, we have a, a pretty interesting guest who's going to be our guest speaker for our next meetup. <laughs> Well, you got to find out who it is. <laughs> you got to attend. <laughs> so, Jason, when you decided actually for the real estate side and you decided to invest in Indianapolis, why didn't you start with California and why did you choose Indianapolis as your market? So, that is a lovely question. So, <laughs> first of all, I love California. However, I don't really think it's a smart move to be investing in California because it's not very landlord-friendly. And uh, when you look at a market like Indianapolis, right, you look at population growth, it's steadily growing, you look at job income, that's growing, job growth, that's always growing, and uh Actually, if you look at like, the previous three recessions, Indianapolis and Kansas City, I mean, they've always bounced back very strongly after each recession. And lastly, both markets have a very diverse economy. 
for example, Indianapolis has a strong tech presence. It has Eli Lilly, which is a big pharmaceutical company. They also have the Indian Pacers and the Colts. So, so um, it has a very diverse economy because what you want to avoid is you don't want to invest in a market like Detroit, Michigan back in the 1970s because because when the automobile business left Detroit back in the 70s, the whole economy collapsed. So obviously, as a real estate investor, that's something that you don't want to put your money and your investors' money We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us, because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level, and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. What was the first thing that you did first after you made that transition into full-time real estate to start your multifamily chapter or the multifamily real estate investing chapter of your life? Yeah, so first thing I had to do was get over limiting beliefs, right? So, for example, right now, a lot of the good deals are going to be off-market deals. And for you to get off-market deals, that that means that you need to pick up the phone and our call owners yourself and build rapport. And when I first started to do call owners before I hired um, reps to do it for me, um, I had a limiting belief that due to my disability, I thought that people could not understand me, you know. However, after talking to about you know, hundreds of owners and hundreds of brokers, I realized that like that limiting belief it's all in my head and people could understand me just fine. And uh, for those one or two that had a problem understanding me all all I have to do is just repeat myself and talk more slowly. And that's how you get over that obstacle. Um, and then another limiting belief that I had was trusting people. You know, like um, for the longest time, I thought that I could do everything myself because I thought that, you know, oh, when you bring on partners, people are going to take advantage of you. But what I realized is that if you want to go far, especially in this business, you cannot do it all by yourself. You need a team to do it, to actually work 
with you every single day. Yeah, I think a lot of us, especially when we're getting into something new, we have a lot of limiting beliefs on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Even for me too, like when I when I started the podcast, it's like, well, how am I going to get the guests on? Or nobody's going to listen to me. I've never done a podcast before. And so for you, you know, the limiting the beliefs that you shared with us, how did you get over those? Like, what were some of the steps that you took to help you overcome those limiting beliefs? So I would say the the first step is to always acknowledge. Acknowledge that it's uncomfortable. And then the next step is just to just to take a massive action anyway, because because I'm being stressed out about a limiting belief is not going to help you. So, so if you're scared about you like I'm starting your own podcast, the best thing you can do is first acknowledge that you're scared about doing your podcast, and then the next step is to. It's just to do the first episode and start promoting it. And then you will see that you will actually get more support than hit. It's almost like a muscle, right? You got to yeah. work out those little muscles over time. And so in the beginning, it's so hard. <laughs> but after you do it multiple times, it's like, it gets a little easier. It gets a little, the next one gets a little bit easier over time and over time. Exactly. So one of the things you mentioned was, you know, it's getting harder now, the real estate environment, it's getting harder now to find the deals that pencil out, um, finding those off-market deals. So for you, Jason, what are you looking for? How are you changing your strategy going forward in today's current environment? That's a good question. I mean, so so what I started doing recently is, is doing both off-market and also going to brokers as well. So that means having a rep, all the owners setting up appointments with me, so that, so that we can have relationships directly with owners. And then at the same time, I am underwriting every single deal that a broker List online, I'm underwriting the deal, even though it does not meet our criteria, so that the broker can see that we are serious buyers. Also, another thing that I've done is that I have I partnered up with a asset manager. She's been doing asset managing for 15 years, and uh, I'm she is able to review my underwriting and tell me, okay, are we being too conservative here or are we not being conservative enough here? And then um, um, from there, we're able to become more competitive on our offers. And are you still focusing in the Indianapolis market or are you branching out to other different areas too? So we focus only in Indianapolis and Kansas City, Missouri. Got it. So Jason, what are you what are some of the things that you had to set up as you were starting up your multifamily real estate business in terms of like some of the systems and everything like that? Since now you're your own boss, your own employee, you have to set up your own schedule and all the things that go fall into place as part of being an entrepreneur. Um, I would say that the 
the, the biggest thing that I did was to live and die by, by my Google Calendar, having a strict schedule of when it was time, when are times that I could actually take phone calls. Um, when do I go to the gym? And I um about doing the same things over and over again every single day, even when you don't feel like doing it. Because in this business, when you are your own boss, you can't take any sick days. Because when you take sick days, then um, you are allowing your competition to get ahead of you. So. I would say that that's the biggest thing that I started doing when I started my own business. And number two is having SOPs, you know, like having standard procedures for my staff and my partners to follow. That's another big takeaway. And for, I have to also go back to the meetup as well. Would you go back and to, um, you know, like, why did you decide to start up the meetup as another branch leg to your business as well? So we have to remember that people do business with people that they know and people that they like. And it came to me that by me having a meetup on top of me being featured on so many podcasts, um, it allows my exposure to get out there and then people become familiar with my face and people know that I know what I'm talking about. Oh, I have the experience. I have the relationships in this business. So, so that's why I started my own meetup is to build more connections with like-minded people. So what's next for you, Jason? <laughs> get this next deal. Um, I will not stop until I get this next deal. We are looking for an apartment building that is 8 to 99 units, 1960 to about 2002 build in a BOC plus neighborhood in Indianapolis and Kansas City. And uh, my ultimate goal is just to inspire people you know like if you have a dream um as long as you're willing to make the sacrifices and as long as you're willing to put the work in it you could do whatever you want and jason how has real estate investing impacted your life real estate has impacted my life because i still remember when i was a kid right growing up with cerebral palsy i remember like laying down in bed and having such a high confidence in myself. But, like, I'm, I'm, of course, like, society has, like, a, has a low expectation for for me. And um, I remember, like, laying down in bed and, like, saying, man, I wish that our society can see me like how I see myself. And uh, it's starting to become that way. You know, people are starting to see me how I see myself through real estate, through entrepreneurship. So I love this business because I've been able to 
influence so many people, inspire so many people. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I love that, Jason, because you can really see it. Like you don't let, you know, what you could, what people may consider as a disability, you don't let any of that hold you back. And then you've, what really held you back was your own personal limiting beliefs and not taking those actions. And then you've been able to overcome that and be able to do what you're doing now, get to what you're where you're at now and live the dream that you envision for yourself. Thank you so much for that. I think. So Jason, what is the one thing that you know about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started? Oh, oh that is <laughs> a hard question. I was I was not expecting that. Um, I guess it would just be like um, how to underwrite deals properly. You know, um, because I remember when I was when I was first trying to buy my first single family house rental. I rem- I remember being on like, the bigger pockets uh, deal calculator, and like, I remember thinking, hmm. What are the ordinary expenses that a rental property has? You know, and like um, now I can basically remember that in my sleep, and uh, that makes analyzing deals, whether it's a good deal or a bad deal, much easier. Yeah, it's it's going back to that the muscle and just like knowing your market and knowing what you're looking at. And then in the beginning, it's hard when you don't know what you're looking at. But the more you practice on it, the more of an expert you become in that market, that field. Exactly. So Jason, what is the one thing that sets successful people apart in real estate investing? I think it's it's a couple of things. One is not giving up. You know, like I have a lot of colleagues who started their real estate journey in the same time as me, but um, a lot of them have given up because they could not find their first deal. And um, something I always tell them is, look, it doesn't matter if you like them or you hate them, but Grant Cardone, Grant Cardone, it took him three years to find his first deal. Now he's worth half a billion dollars. So um, it doesn't matter how long it takes you. Um, um, all that matters is that you get to where you are trying to go. Awesome. Well, Jason, if our listeners wanted to find out about you and what you're doing, where's the best place that they can go? The best place to find me is www.jasonmalabute.com. Jason, thank you so much for being here today. And I am looking forward to seeing you soon. (laughs) Yes, I'll see you soon. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. If you're anything like Zayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Zayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. 
Download your free copy today at bonifacecapital.com forward slash checklist. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonifacecapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.